Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today to Leonie Freeman. Leone is Chief Executive of Property Council New Zealand and has had an extensive and accomplished career in the New Zealand property industry in both the public and private sector. Her previous work has included creating the concept of what is now realestate.co.nz, buying and transforming her own residential property management business, strategic property advisor during the establishment of the New Auckland Council, general manager asset development for Housing New Zealand, and leading an independent philanthropic initiative to solve Auckland's housing crisis. Leonie has been widely recognised for her contributions, including in 2017 being a finalist in the Westpac Women of Influence Awards and also being awarded the Property Institute's Supreme Property Award. So kia ora, Leonie. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, it's great to be here. Lovely. The first question that I would love to start with is to take you a little way back to when you were a child or even a teenager. Um, What careers were you thinking about or even aspiring to? Yeah, well, they were certainly quite different than what I ended up with. So I think when I was about seven, for some reason, I wanted to be one of the go stop men on the construction sites on the roads. And I have no idea why, but they just, that idea really appealed to me when I was that age. And then I think I went from that to wanting to be uh, a fireman or in the police. And then as I hit teenage years, my aspirations changed slightly. And I went from farming, because I'd actually spent a lot of time growing up on my uncle's farm. And then when I was about 15, I I, um, was watching politics and I thought, actually, I'd quite like to be the first female prime minister. So you can see that the aspirations changed a bit. And uh, I didn't uh, have that one for too long, but so I had quite a variety of of things until really I got to seventh form. And my parents are both teachers, so really by that stage I thought I would go teaching because it was like the family business. And I was really fortunate in my seventh form year, which is now year 13, to have a careers advisor who was interested in getting females into jobs where there weren't many females. And he came up with the property course or property degree at Lincoln University at the time. And and it was a rural and an urban course. And because I'd spent so much time farming as I was growing up, the rural property degree really appealed. So that's how I ended up doing property. I never ended up in the rural market, but um, it was as a result of that that I got into property. Interesting as well to hear almost right from the start, whether it was the the stop-go person or (laughs) firefighter, police officer, even prime minister, those, and now into property. Those are all areas that have traditionally been dominated by men. But obviously there was something in there that wanted to be a bit of a a pioneer in in some of those fields. (laughs) I think I was a bit of a tomboy growing up and I, I think my parents, there was no barriers. So there was, I was never told, well, no, girls can't do that or, or this is what you should do. So um, I think I was quite fortunate in that respect. 
Yeah, fantastic. And then as you said, you did the, I think it was a master's in commerce specializing mm. in, I think, valuation and property management. Yes. Tell me then, what did that lead into? What were some of your first jobs? Yeah, one of the interesting things, when you did the property degree in that day and age, you also had to uh, do practical work in the holidays. So I spent time farming. I spent time on a building site. So I was a builder's laborer for four months. And then you also spent time in a property office. So you got some quite interesting exposure But in my second year at Lincoln University, I was really fortunate and I got introduced to one of the private valuers in Christchurch who owned a large real estate valuation company and his name was uh, Peter Cook. And he took me on under his wing when I was in my second year at university and I used to spend my holidays in there and then when I finished my degree, I went and worked for PISA. When I talk about my career, he is probably the person who has had the biggest influence and impact on my career. And, you know, he took us on when I was 19 and very naive and knew very little. And and this was at a time to train me up as a valuer when I was the first female in private practice as a valuer in Christchurch. And just to give people some context, I remember going and meeting one of the older valuers in Christchurch, and he would have been at the time in his 70s, sitting in an office smoking a pipe. So that'll give you an indication of time. And he said to me, you know, and it was quite genuine, but he said to me, Leonie, he said, I can't understand why Peter took on a female valuer. And uh, I'm sitting there a bit gobsmacked because that was the attitude at the time. Now, if you look at valuers, property valuers today, nobody bats an eyelid at having a female valuer. But when I was um, first starting out, that was quite unusual. And Peter was just fantastic as a mentor. He gave me really great opportunities and challenged me to think for myself and, uh, and learn and contribute Wonderful. And what a a great opportunity right at the start of your career to have that kind of influential person to help guide you, support you, to learn from and to help mentor and and boost you through your career as well. And then tell me, you've done a whole range of roles then in the private and and public sector. What have been, you know, if you look back at, at some of those roles, what have been some of the highlights, but also the challenges along the way? There's certainly been some challenges, but when I reflect back, I think some of the highlights have probably been also some of the biggest challenges. So one of the things I'm really proud about is back in 1995, when I first started talking about the concept of the internet and the real estate industry. You know, when you look at something like realestate.co.nz today, it seems really obvious and nobody could imagine buying real estate in any other way but looking on the internet. But back in 1995, when I first started talking about this concept of creating a New Zealand-wide website with all the properties for sale and rent in one place, people thought I was absolutely crazy. I was laughed at. I was criticised. People, you know, ignored me. And I remember some of the wise heads in the real estate industry used to say to me, Leone, nobody will ever buy property this way. And I'd been working on the idea myself, so I wasn't paid by anyone to do it. And I'd spent quite a few months working on it and I got to the point where it was about after five months and I had decided that if nothing happened at the next meeting, I was going to give up on this idea. Then that final meeting was actually again with Peter Cook in Christchurch and I'd gone down to Christchurch to show Peter the idea. Peter actually ended up becoming a re- he, he got it. He was one of the first people that actually got the idea of what I was talking about. It was like this hallelujah moment. And Peter then became a really influential advocate. So within 12 months of that meeting, we had then launched in August 1996, 
relens.co.nz. So it was the really early days of the internet. And when we launched Relens, it was the first, one of the first large commercial websites in New Zealand. So it was right at the early days of the internet. When I look at it today, 25 years later, you know, I'm really proud of, of what we were able to create, but also having the vision to see something that perhaps people, other people didn't see at the time, but just having the fortitude, the, <laughs> the stickability, the resilience to keep going, despite lots of people saying it will never work and this is just crazy. So I share that story because often a lot of us will have ideas but you convince yourself that you can't do it or what if I fail or people around me are telling me I'm crazy or all those sorts of things. And I suppose that when you're doing something new, it's easy to listen to some of those people and you've got to really look inside and trust your judgment and be prepared for some really hard work, And but keep going. If you really believe in it, whatever it is, it's about keeping going and just having that resilience to keep going. Yeah. yeah, that would be, in my early stage, would be one of my real highlights. Yeah, fantastic. And as you say, I can't imagine the world of property now without being able to go online and have all the details yeah. at your fingertips. It's just fascinating to see actually how quickly it's changed. And I find that actually a lot with the women that I coach is that they'll have these wonderful ideas and they'll share them out with the world and they will get lots of criticism and judgment and often from people actually close to them. And then they often call back on those ideas. But actually having that resilience fortitude to say, actually, no, I'm going to, I am going to persevere. I think this is a good idea and I'll I'll keep going despite that criticism. I think too, the the point that you raise about sometimes it is the people close to us because they're not doing it as a negative thing. It's they want you to be safe. And I think for women, we particularly are classic at telling us these stories. And one of the reasons why I sometimes, you know, talk about the story is that I have all those doubts. You, you still have all those doubts. You're not doing relens or doing other business ventures. It, you could see a vision, but you still have plenty of doubt. You've got to realise that's just a story you're you're telling yourself. And then what are you then going to do about it? And one of the things that I learned actually, having done this sort of thing a few times now. I've realized there's a bit of a process that you can go through with new thinking or new entrepreneurial ideas. And I call it um, dream it, see it, and do it. And the dream it was all about getting really clear both. So talk about head speak and heart speak. So your heart is what really matters to you, that purpose, that thing that you want to change the world on that really matters. And then the head speak is the logical bit that goes with it. But you need both. So that's where you get to dream without any barriers. So what could you do to change the world? And then the the see it is how you take that idea and then try and put a little bit of logic and business planning and things like that. You still need your heart and your head. And then the do it is saying, right, this is when I make the decision and I'm going to make it happen. But, But you actually do go through these stages of coming up with those ideas. That's great. I think it's a really useful framework, actually, and not quite a nice catchy one too, but it it is actually how do you actually not restrict yourself at that early stage, so allow yourself to to dream and and go, as you said, with what kind of is in your heart, but also apply that logic to it to then and then ultimately to take the action. I'm interested, you've spent essentially your whole career then in the property industry. What is it about property that, that really appeals to you? 
Yeah, look, it's that's a really, it's an interesting question, and lots of people in property talk about it because often when you get into property, you tend to stay there. But for us, it's quite an exciting area, and there's lots of bits of property. And what I realised was most people, when you say you're in property, they think you're a real estate agent, and that's probably the one thing I haven't done. But property impacts all of us all the time, whether it's the housing in which we live in or the offices in which we work in or the industrial buildings where we've got warehouses or it's the it's the services like the schools or the hospitals or property is such an integral part of how we live, how we develop our communities and spend our time with our families. And there's so many aspects to it so that there's, I started off as a valuer and that was really interesting. But, you know, I've pretty much done everything from valuation, property management, development, developing communities, and then even addressing some of the bigger issues like housing and saying we need to solve some of these issues like housing because it's so critical. I look at the housing one because people have said to me, oh, I did a whole lot of work, you know, probably over a couple of years at no cost and off my own bat and, and to come up with a whole lot of solutions to solve our housing. And part of it is because I, I think sometimes you've got to look at the role that you play and look at some of the problems that we have in our country and you've got to ask yourself, what are you prepared to do about it? And I thought I've probably got quite a unique experience coming from the private sector, being quite entrepreneurial, having public sector experience and probably one of the few people that actually can develop a solution and see how solving a housing would look in 10 years' time. I decided that I needed to do something. But on the other side to that, I also look at my upbringing. And, and as I mentioned, my parents were both teachers, so didn't come from any money. But when they got married back in the 60s, they were able to buy a house because of a, a big housing program at the time and they got a cheap loan and all that sort of stuff. And they still, they scrimped and saved and had no money, but we had a house and we were then part of a community and had some stability and things changed. But I look at a family like my parents today with two teachers and three children, and there's no way that they would be able to buy a house in Auckland. And I think there's something fundamentally wrong in our society if our key workers, like our nurses and our police and our teachers, can't afford to buy housing. There's something wrong. So I, I suppose part of my whole journey has been to say that as you get a bit older and you've done a few different things, it's about saying what also are you prepared to give back and what are those things that really you want to solve? Yeah, a, a bit of a roundabout way to your question about property, but property is, is exciting because you get to create things. You create communities and cities and it just impacts everybody everybody in, in a whole lot of different ways. So I've just loved it. And when I've often, if I've ever gone out of it, which I haven't really, I always have to come back. So I could just stick in property. Yeah. And I can hear that, that kind of that love and that passion coming through. And I think also that what I found really interesting about that was that around how property can help a society and help build communities. Yeah. And it's that broader impact. It's not just being a job to make money for you. It's about actually how can, as you said, how can you make a difference now and how can you give back a bit more? And I was interested, what are your current role now as CEO of Property Council New Zealand? What do you really love about that work? So this was a, a quite a different role for me because it's probably the pretty much the first time I've been employed in a job since I was about 28. But the reason I took the property council role was two reasons, and they were both quite purpose-driven. And the first one was the property industry, I believe, we need to step up and take a greater leadership role in solving challenges in our country, such as housing. 
And I thought the Property Council platform was a good base to do that from. And because any solution around something like housing, we need everybody. It's not just government can't solve it by themselves. The council can't solve it. The industry can't solve it by themselves. We need to bring everybody together focused on our clear vision and outcomes for our city. So I thought that was a good platform to do it from. And then the second reason was I spent 30 years in property now, and, and I love it, and I've done just about every part of it. But there's not a lot of senior women in our industry. And I want to shift the dial on diversity and inclusion. So this is a bit of a legacy for me for our industry. And it's not just about gender, but it's about saying our industry is for anybody. And it doesn't matter what gender, what ethnicity, what background. There is something for everyone in, in our industry. And I really want to try and shift the dial on diversity. And, and to be fair, our industry has come quite a long way from the days when I was looked as really strange for being a valuer, but we still got a reasonable distance to go, and particularly at that senior woman level in our, in our industry. And I thought this was a platform for me to share that story and help shift the dial. And we are seeing some good results. So one of the things that I've been in the role for a couple of years now, and one of the things that we launched in the first year was a a panel pledge. So the idea was that for any conference or event or speaking engagement that we had, our target is to have 40% female speakers, 40% male speakers, and 20% discretionary. So it's called the 40-40-20 pledge. And the same for attendees. And we've just been analysing our last 12 months of results and they've just shown us that we hit 43% female speakers across all our events and we do close to 90 events a year. And over sort of 10,000 plus attendees, we had uh, over just hitting 40% female attendees. So that's a big increase from where where we were before I started. That's part of the the sort of second drive for this role. So it's very much a purpose-driven one and a legacy role for me. This is a legacy thing I'd like to leave. Yeah, fantastic. And I think, as you say, if you really reflect back 50, 100 years ago, obviously the landscape has transformed, but that doesn't mean there's not still work to do, in particular, as you say, getting more senior women through. That example that you shared, though, I think it's a really nice one because it's taking that kind of lofty goal of perhaps more gender balance, but then actually doing something very concrete about it and taking actions to deliver that and then measuring progress against it. And with any of these kind of broader diversity initiatives, those kind of things help a lot. And I think it's important to um, have some perspective too, because uh, I've been doing some family research in recent years and I've been writing a bit of a family story about our ancestors in in terms of when they came to New Zealand and what were some of their stories and because some of them are quite phenomenal but one of my it's about four or five generations back and the Freemans came in 1858 and settled in Dunedin with and he had seven children and his youngest uh, daughter was named Caroline and she ended up going to Otago University in the 1870s And she ended up being the first female to graduate from Otago University in 1885. And her name was Caroline Freeman. And there's actually a halls of residence named after her. And I often think to myself that imagine trying to go to university in that time where women just didn't get higher education and there was no support and there wasn't support from lecturers. And just imagine the challenges that she must have had to be such a pioneer And so I think to myself, we're all here 
on the shoulders of some amazing women that and people uh, but who have come before us to help shift and change our society and so therefore it's we all have to look at ourselves and say what are we prepared to do now to help grow and change things for future generations because we're all part of a a big long ecosystem you know I try to reflect on that that we often think you can't do much but we can all do something we can absolutely and I think also for you it must be nice to as you're looking back at that history to see gosh the the line of pioneering women that you've come from (laughs) is uh, must be fascinating too yeah I know well we didn't really know about it until the last quite recently so it's it is fascinating to read that and just reflect on some of those challenges they must have had yeah absolutely and you know, talking about challenges, and I know you see through the years in the career, of course, there's been ups and downs in your own career. What would you say have been one or two of your toughest career challenges or, or moments? And I think I'm probably a little bit unusual in that I, I, I haven't tended to have a spelt out career. Because I started working, you know, I went and have been working for myself pretty much since I was about 29 or 30. You don't have that thing where you're trying to get promotions and go up a ladder in organisation. So it is a slightly different thing. So I've probably been more driven by purpose and what really speaks to me or inspires me at a particular time. Talked about relens and and for that was about changing an industry and having this opportunity to do something so new. But when I then did my next business, which was the property management, that was partly about building some capital for me, but it was also about having the opportunity to create a company where my culture and values were instilled because I wanted to, I just think you have this obligation to build teams and strong cultures and allow an environment where people can be the best that they can be. But I think that was also, there were some huge challenges during that because every dollar I owned in the world was invested into that company. And it's pretty hair raising when you do that and buy a company and it's run down and it was losing money. So in those early days of uh, each month watching the, the, the bank account deplete while you're trying to rapidly turn it around and, and get it sorted. And fortunately it worked, but that was hugely challenging. And you do there are some dark times in that when you really think, what am I doing and have, have I made a poor decision and, and all that sort of thing. And, and all I can say on those sorts of things is sometimes you've just got to keep going and often at your darkest time, that is the bottom of the thing when it then turns and I distinctly remember that. And from a certain point, things then started to come right and, and turn around. And that's why that purpose thing has to be so strong because you've got to keep going. So that was really challenging. Absolutely. And I can imagine those kind of dark times, sometimes you just got to keep going. And to flip that around, obviously, you've talked about the, the, the proud moment of bringing to life West Real NZ. What have been some of your other proudest moments in your career? There's been a number of them, actually. Probably, again, building my property management business. And I had that, I bought a rundown company and then grew it to quite a large one over a period of seven years and then sold it. So that that wasn't a really proud despite it being very challenging and quite hard at times going through that and actually ending up and and selling it. But what also made me really proud with that is the team that we built. We had an amazing culture and and team within that organisation. And interesting, I sold that business in 2007 and and our team from that company still gets together. And in fact, we caught up over Christmas and we still all connect. That is how strong that culture was. And that was 13 years ago when I sold that company. 
that was certainly one. I've been on the board of Goodman Property Trust as a director. And so Goodman is a listed property company. It's has a portfolio of about two and a half to three billion in New Zealand, largely does industrial property. So that was another really proud moment. I think I, I was the first female from our property industry to be on a listed board in New Zealand. And so again, trying to show the possibilities for the sector and again, be involved in a company I'm very proud to be associated with. So that's one I've been really proud of. I think the, the work we did with the Auckland Transition Agency in terms of setting up the super city, you know, I was there strategic property advisor and fundamentally got to set up a lot of the property stuff and he had 12 months to do that set up and whilst it wasn't perfect on day one it was set up and it worked and there was a lot of things that we got there's been some very proud times around that and as I mentioned a bit earlier around the work I've done on my housing which has been a personal mission of mine to try and change the conversation um, around solving our housing When I did that work, and I continue to still talk about that work, people have often said, oh, Leona, you're crazy, you're never going to, we can't solve housing. And that's when I share the story of Reliance, because it's easy for people to say, oh, you can't solve this stuff, but you can, we can. And, you know, I've actually developed the solution pretty much step by step for everything that needs to be done for the next 10 years. But it's the same thing where it's easy to be a knocker and say that you can't do this. It's just the same journey to me as I went through with Freelands 25 years ago around housing. It's just that I keep looking at it at the moment, thinking to myself, how bad does our problem have to get before we're prepared to take a different approach to solve it? And I think that's still where we're a bit at. But it's still something I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of. Yeah, there's been some great times. But I think a lot of it with, with your career is, isn't so much, part of it is about what you can achieve without a doubt. But part of it is about the people you get to work with and meet and interact with and some of those connections that you built. And I mentioned Peter Cook really early on. And Peter, I met when I was 19 and we still keep in touch today, like part of the family. And those relationships are really important. Yeah. Yeah, I think those relationships are really important. I can imagine particularly in, in you know, broader area of property, but also in New Zealand, you know, where we're ultimately a very connected country with one or two degrees of separation. And, and therefore, those connections, those relationships over time can make a big difference in your career. Leona, I was keen to understand when I listen to you speak, and I can hear there's a lot of energy, a lot of purpose, um, a lot of drive there in, for you. How do you find some balance between your working life? And I think it's something I've uh, worked on over the years and probably got a, a bit better. And so for me, it's I've got to start with making sure I'm in the right space. And so that incorporates a number of things. That's partly getting my head in the right space. So for example, every morning, um, I do a bit of a, a morning, what I call a morning startup, which is a little bit of meditation. And for those people that are really good at meditation, I, I'm still not good at it, but I force myself to try and do a little bit and have a little bit of time reading some material that puts some good thoughts into my head, exercise regularly, sleep, eat healthily, massages and all those sorts of things. So to try and make sure that I can manage and cope with the stress and then try to put some parameters around working times because you you don't enjoy it and it just becomes a real chore. And I can remember when I had my business in the early days, I worked horrendously long hours because I just had to and that was the way it was. But 
now I try to have a little bit more of a balance. I think too, for women, we're probably quite good at it, but it's about having a support network around you from a career perspective of people that you can go and that you can touch base with regularly, be open with and share some of the challenges and stuff like that and make sure you've got a strong support network to do that. And then, you know, it's it's spending time with friends and family, nothing to do with work, making sure there's regular holidays and things like that. But so much of it for me is about how I feed my mind and what, whatever I put into my mind is, is what will come out. If it's negative stuff going in then I have a negative perspective on stuff and it's and it doesn't mean that you because nobody's going to be positive every day but it's trying to keep your mindset in, in the right place so it's a little bit of a work in progress but I also try to find the balance where I really do enjoy what I do and a lot of it for me now is about purpose and meaning and then what is the impact and positive impact I can have on either the team that I work with or the community I live in or the industry I work with or some younger people coming up. It's all that sort of thing. Also feeds my soul and it is important to me. That's how I try to do it. I'm not perfect all the time because I can remember during COVID, it was just a manic time, but we were working crazy hours. But, but for the most part these days, I try to have a, a reasonable balance. Great. And I think for most of us, it's I haven't found anybody yet for whom it's perfect all the time. But no, I think re- no. recognising those things that work for you and that help you bring you a bit of balance, but also yes. actually recognising that energising, enjoyable work that you love also can provide you your balance too, which I like that perspective as well. Yeah, and I think you come back to something like the exercise as well. And everybody's different, but I think you've got to find something that that you like because that gets you out of bed and to go and do it. And one of the things that I've done now for probably 16 or 17 years is I actually do boxing. And I know people think that's really a strange thing to do, but for some reason I just happen to like it. And it gets me out, it gets me to the gym. And some years back I did a couple of fights. I don't do that anymore, I just miss but. You know, I've got a great uh, group of people that I train with and we keep each other going and it's a real balancing thing. And so again, for me, that's what works. So I think it's just finding what works for, for, for each individual. Brilliant. I love the idea of boxing. I can imagine after a slightly stressful day, it would be a brilliant way to uh, yeah. <laughs> to relieve some of that exactly. stress. Yeah, super. <laughs> and where do you see your career heading in the future? I'm not sure at the moment. Like I said, I've never been a real planner career type person because I've usually had my own businesses or worked for myself. But I'm really enjoying what I'm doing at the moment in terms of a leadership role and making change to an industry that I really care about. And so I'm enjoying that. And I've got a great team of people that we've built here at Property Council. So we've got a fantastic environment and we've been going through quite a transformational change here, which is quite exciting. And that's sort of the thing that I like. I haven't really worked out exactly where we go, but if it, it's more around contribution, purpose, making a difference to the younger ones coming through. Some of that legacy type of stuff is probably where we're heading. So yeah, that's about where I'm at the moment. Super. Sounds good. And as you say, if you found a role where actually you're able to have that contribution impact and able to be building a, a fantastic team around you, then then great. It sounds like you may well have quite a few years to run in terms of the, <laughs> the work, the, the work agenda that you maybe have on your plate. And one last question, if I may, Leone, is um, what career advice would you have for other women? Yeah, I think that the advice that I would share is 
is first of all, be yourself. And I think that for some women, we often think that we go into roles and we've got to be somebody else. It's okay to be who you are. But then also really understand what is important to you because I don't believe there's any point in going to work just to buy the time and and for the sake of it. So get really clear what is the purpose and and I notice that with a lot of the younger ones coming through these days, purpose is a much bigger conversation and something talked about than perhaps it was when I was coming out of university and I think it's really important to get clear on that purpose. So that's what I call that heart speak about what's important and what you want to do with it. And then once you're clear on that, then go for it. And just stick with some of the challenging times, look at them as learning opportunities, but just keep going. Because I do believe that you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. And that a lot of the reason why we don't do things, or in particular for women, is the stories we tell ourselves in our head encourage people to realize that they are just stories. When I was uh, doing my property management business, the stories I was telling myself was, I don't come from a business family. I don't come from any money. I haven't ever had a business. What if it fails? It's easy to tell yourself all those stories rather than say, okay, what might it look like if it was successful and and what do I need to do to get there? I would encourage women to just realise that, particularly for women, we are classic at telling ourselves stories. And the last piece of advice, and I've noticed this over quite a few years, is, and again, I I think it's ingrained in in women, but I've seen situations where you'll have a job and say a a man will apply and a woman will apply, and a a man will apply and he might have 60% of the ability to do the job, but he'll convince himself he's got 100%. And then the woman will look at the same job and she might have 80% of the ability, but will focus on the 20% she doesn't have and won't apply. And seen that quite a number of times. And I think sometimes women, we want to be asked or tapped on the shoulder or if we do a good job, somebody will come to me. And so what I encourage people to do, and I talk about this to a lot of women in property, is put your hand up. Put your hand up to speak at an event, to cheer something, to get on a committee, to take a leadership opportunity in your organisation, offer to do something, but put your hand up rather than wait for somebody to come because they don't always come. And, you know, you do have the ability just as much as anybody else, but put your hand up and give it a go. So hopefully that helps with a bit of advice. That's super advice. Thank you. And I took a lot from that as well. I think particularly the piece around the two last bits that you said around the stories that you tell yourself. And it's easy to tell yourself all the things that might go wrong, but actually trying to fill your head instead with what might go right was great. And that bit around putting your hand up, not waiting to be asked, putting yourself forward for some of those opportunities and believing yourself enough to do. That's super. Leonie, thank you. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. And I take away from you just your wonderful purpose and energy that you're bringing to your work and and wanting to have an impact. So thank you very much for taking the time. Okay, well, thanks very much. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.